everybody's got to eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello. How are you? I am fantastic. You know, I went through a drive-thru yesterday. Starbucks. We talk Starbucks all the time. When are they going to call us? <laughs> I went through a Starbucks drive. I go through very through drive-thrus, Chick-fil-A and Starbucks. That's it. Um, anyway, I went through a Starbucks drive-thru yesterday and I got up to the window and she's like, so how are you today? Or how was your day or whatever? And I'm like, great. I said, every day is a great day, right? And she's like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Some days are bad days. A lot of bad days. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? I've worked a drive through I understand. <laughs> 100%. And you know, when you work at Starbucks, it's, it's, it's one, of, one of the coolest jobs I ever had was a manager at Starbucks. He trained us so well, and it was such a great experience. But you know, you are, if particularly in the morning, you are handing out somebody's joy. Every single time you hand call somebody's name and hand them the cup or in the drive-through and hand them the cup, a lot of times people haven't even really they shouldn't be driving, let alone going through a drive-through. <laughs> it's like they barely woke up. They're like, ah oh, crap, I'm late. Everything is going wrong. It's like a no good, very bad day. They go in through Starbucks and then their day changes instantly with the with a cup of from i call it the nectar of the gods coffee it is like their little taste of heaven at that given moment in, in all fairness there was a conversation that led up to that i pulled up to the drive-thru and she must have greeted me before i put my window down and i didn't hear so we were sitting there for like an extended period of time and she was like if you have any questions or anything i can help you and i hadn't heard her say anything prior to that so i was like oh I'm sorry, I, I didn't know you were there. I hadn't heard anything. She, she's like, you've got to be one of the most patient people in the world. She said, you've been sitting there for a while. And I'm like, well, you know, I just assumed you guys were busy or something. I've worked a drive-thru. I'm not going to, you know, sit out here and be antagonistic. So we had this whole conversation at the speaker before I got up to the window. <laughs> she wasn't being rude when she said that. It, it was just to put it into context, we were joking when she said that. She was, she was very pleasant. She's so. like, you're the most patient person in the world. And you're like, oh, man, let me tell you. The reason why I'm getting this coffee is because um, I do a podcast with this guy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about patience? I can wait for my coffee. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I, was telling my, I was telling my wife. About our last week's pot. Was it last week? It was la when you were like, can you please wash your face? And <laughs> that was last week. <laughs> that take a minute. Go to the bathroom, wash your face, get it together, and come back. <laughs> I had set my alarm clock wrong. We are supposed to, we do podcasts like super early in the morning. <laughs> and I was supposed to wake up at five o'clock. And we are going to meet at 5.30, my time for the podcast. And I had set my clock for alarm for 5.30 p.m. instead of a.m. But I wake up naturally early in the morning. I woke up at like 6 o'clock in the morning. 
And I was like, oh, shoot. And there was a huge time crunch for Francine. She had another meeting. So I'm like, I texted her and <laughs> I didn't take a shower, brush my teeth, anything, and show up like five minutes later to do this podcast. And Francine's like, yeah, go take another five, Matt. Like, <laughs> go get some coffee. Get us together. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Uh, so funny. Well, speaking of patience, we had to wait a very long time to watch what we're going to be discussing today because, man, they have been promoting poisons forever, right? I mean, years, it felt like, at least yeah, in I, our I world. If it was years, the book's been out for years. <laughs> the book's been out for years. It, yeah, it felt like years, maybe. Um, they've been promoting it for a while. They did a great job of promoting it and building the anticipation for the documentary. And I'm going to say that it lived up to the expectations. I think the documentary is great, not just for food safety nerds, as you know, we refer to ourselves, but for consumers. I mean, yeah. that is a great documentary for consumers as well. There's a lot of information. You just watched it. You know, I yeah. I went to one of the premieres out. I live on the East Coast, but I went out to the West Coast for one of the premieres that they had. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. There's a lot of a lot of adjectives there. <laughs> um, the 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 documentary. You know, and, and I think too. You know, we know we know some of the people in in the documentary, which brings something yeah. to it as well. But it's very eye-opening, even being in the industry. I can't only imagine for consumers that are watching it. I, I think, too, that, you know, we know, we know what happens because we work in the industry. Right. You know, to see the one gentleman there when they, you know, I don't, I don't want to really give anything away about it, but they did a test for, you know, somebody in the industry. Oh, yeah. What I'm referring to, right? Yes, I know exactly what you're referring to. Well, you know, you didn't test enough product. And they're like, well, how many? How much do you want us to test? <laughs> so they go out and do it. Yeah. And, back, and you know, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> I found that kind of, I hate to say funny, but it's like, you know, it, it was funny because it's like, you know, you need to get it together because yeah. it's your industry. And, you know, this is the way it is. And you need to fix the problem. You need to fix the problem. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't want to give it away either. But just, I think in the context of this kind of reviewing poisoned, it's it'll be really helpful for people to go like, yeah, maybe I should go watch this. So one of the cool things about this documentary is the people who did this documentary really did a great job of doing their homework. And it looked there were multiple times where people were interviewed in multiple places. And this is a key one that Francine's talking about. So she's interviewing somebody within the industry and they had done a test on one carcass of an animal and it came up positive for um, a pathogen. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, the, the, the key food safety guy was like, well, you can't, you can't take a test on one carcass and, and call it, that, that just doesn't work. You can't do that. You have to take a test on multiple carcasses in order to find out, you know, what the mean is, which is true, which is accurate. You, you, you can't take right. one test. You, yeah. Yeah. So, so then she says, well, how many tests should I do? And he says 150. So she goes out and tests 150 <laughs> carcasses. And let's just say that the, the data is, uh, doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't, Hello, Matt. It doesn't help. Uh, it would have probably been better for him to go like, yeah, we still have things we need to work on. 
And uh, I'm not surprised that one carcass came up. But then just, just to double down and be like, 150. Oh, man. Then there was yeah. a target. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. we'll go test Doesn't, 150. Wasn't a good look for him. You know, it was <laughs> just like, yeah. And, you know, it was it was emotional. Yes. It, it, it was just a great documentary. It was very well done. Very well done. It was very, very well done. And it was emotional. And we've been talking back and forth. I shouldn't say talking. We've been texting back and forth with a bunch of people at the industry on on LinkedIn, which tends to be kind of our go-to for communicating with the audience. And there were a lot of people that talked about how the stories really made it. And I think, you know, you and I, a revolving theme of our podcast is training. And this is where, okay, we're going to do a shout out to Adam again. Um, and thank you, Adam. That was amazing what you posted on LinkedIn. But <laughs> our our go-to tr- trainer comedian guy. One of the things that comes up all the time is training is about stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't really impact change by just explaining, just telling people what to do. You have mm-hmm. to impact change by making, by meeting people where they are and how you meet people where they are is through stories, understanding their story and also portraying the story that that's, that's out there. And what I thought was fantastic about Poisoned was it was a documentary with one big theme, but a whole lot of little stories that helped magnify that theme and really hit home the 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 gaps within our food safety issues within the supply chain and how it affects individual people's lives. And that that I thought was done very well. Well, they gave the stories, the education, and they explained the whys. Yep. You know, they did, they, they just covered their bases so well throughout that documentary. Bill Marlowe has this big target on his back in the industry, yeah. but, um, you know, he, he did such a phenomenal job and he just explained so well why he does what he does. Yeah, he did. And, and the, the other thing too is, uh, he's, funny. he's so funny. <laughs> he's so funny. The, the, the only thing I think that is consistent with, with, between the book and the, the documentary is that Bill Marler is the constant. That's the only thing that's really constant within this documentary. They took the book and they used it as a, a premise. And then they looked at it 30 years later and they're like, okay, what has Jack in a box outbreak that kind of woke up the world 30 years later? What are we now? And 30 years later, we're at a much better spot but we still have a lot to go. And that, that I think, was the premise of it. And he, the only constant is Bill Marler through the whole entire thing. Darren Detweiler is through the whole entire thing as well. But it's like he has like one line in the book, Poisoned, right? It's like, oh, and there was this other child that passed away, you know, Detweiler. Versus in this documentary, Darren Detweiler is, is almost through it as equally as in term amount of time as Bill Marler. Well, his story really helps to explain the depth yes. of why this is so important. You know, and I don't know, somebody on my um, LinkedIn said, you know, how many times I lost track of how many times they say we have the safest food in the world, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Okay. Well, that's great. But you know, people are still dying. (laughs) People are still getting sick and people are dying. We've got a problem. And while we're never going to completely eliminate that, it certainly could be reduced. I think that, you know, there are always going to be mistakes 
that my God, the fact that the numbers haven't changed in years. Right. Now they shifted. You know, like Bill Marler said in the in the documentary, and you know, he said many times, you know, he doesn't have that many E. coli cases anymore from ground beef, but now he does with leafy greens. Yeah, and you know what's interesting? The the, the it's shifted, right? Um, the E. coli. He said that on our podcast as well. Go if if you haven't listened to it, the the interview with Bill Marler is great, but he talked about that as well. That it shifted from from beef to leafy greens is number one. And they beat the heck out of romaine lettuce and out of chicken through the whole entire thing. I I, I wasn't quite sure where this was going to go in terms of the, the, the documentary, but those are probably public enemy number one in this documentary. Don't you think those are the two main- I just don't eat salads anymore. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I don't think I've seen you have a meal where a salad wasn't involved. I love salad. It's not a, you know, it's not a diet thing or a weight it thing. I, I love salad. Which is why you look the way you do and I look the way I do. I mean, I also love meat. I mean, I eat steak, <laughs> yeah. but I just, I love salad. I was surprised at how much it affected me, how emotional I got through it. And this is what we do day in and day out. So I'm like... I don't know. I say this, but I can cry it on good Hallmark commercial. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the Hallmark movie, whatever, you know, by nature, I'm not really a crier. I don't, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm just not, but I mean, I cried during the documentary. I I found it to be very emotional. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I actually did too. I had a little, I had a little tear pop. Francine, I had a little tear about. And and the the reason why is because I think I don't know if you had ever heard that story about that girl, that that 17-year-old girl. I don't want to go into detail about what happens with her, but the way they line that story up, kind of going through the documentary and the ending outcome of that, that that got me. Just just being a dad, just listening to the parents and her story and all that stuff. I was, that, that got me. I was like, Oh my gosh. That just, I am just so flipping empathetic and sympathetic to like some of these stories with these people. And it's like, you know, they're, they're human beings. You know, you've got Darren's story, you've got stories of the other individuals. And it's like, you know, when you listen to some of these people and their stories and, you know, there are stories that weren't portrayed in the documentary, they can't portray every single one of them. But, you know, I have, trained tens of thousands of people over the years. You know, I used to cross the country a couple times a week training people on food safety and speaking about food safety. And sometimes I would get so upset because people just did not take it as seriously as they should have. Right. And it was just like, you know, and there were different scenarios where I would be speaking or training or whatever. And I did this for like a number of years and in a number of different scenarios and situations, you know, from, you know, when I was working for corporations to public and private training. And there's no better way to make somebody understand how important this is or to get them to start taking it seriously than to pop one of those videos in of somebody talking about their child dying right. or their mother or some family member. Because by God, then they understand that what they're doing is serious because you're just not human <laughs> if right. some of those stories don't get to you. And it wasn't something, you know, I'm not going to say that I showed them all the time because, you know, I, I, I believe that food safety should be fun because, you know, there's so much 
that's what turns people off about our industry is that, you know, it can be, you know, a lot of doom and gloom. And and, and Darren and I have talked about this. I, I think that, you know, to get pe- more people interested and educated that it should be fun and it should be entertaining. And we don't need to talk about, while, while the statistics and the illness and the death is important, we can educate and teach and train in a way that it's fun. But sometimes, again, there are people that you just have to, you just have to take a different approach for them to understand the importance. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's fascinating that this documentary is number four out of 10 on Netflix, because it's, it's, it's not a happy topic, right? I mean, we were talking about Starbucks at the beginning, right? And people's day is, you know, they just woke up late and they're headed over there and, you know, uh, they're not going straight to work because that may be daunting and not the best thing, you know, um, in terms of changing their or altering their mood. They go to Starbucks to grab a coffee first, right? Um, so we're talking about something that people do on their off time and what do they choose to do? Consumers and people within our industry, they went and they watched this Netflix documentary. And, and so that just goes to show that this is, you know, hitting it's hitting people in their stomach and that's and that's where the stories are really powerful is you know you're you're going after somebody's stomach by is what they eat and and it's we talk about it all the time that what people eat is 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 like a religion you know a lot of times what people eat is part of their religion and so um it's these stories are powerful and and i hopefully hopefully oh that actually adds to a question that i wanted to ask you about this what do you think the impact do you think there will be actually do you think there will be an impact from this documentary for our industry and if so what do you think it will be so i think that across the board not just our industry but i think across the board there's going to be an impact i think consumers are going to become more aware and i think that is why it's number 4 this has only been out since the second two days yeah number 4 on netflix i think that it's going to make consumers much more aware and consumers drive our industry. So yes, I do think it's going to impact our industry because I, I think that um, consumers are more aware about food safety than they've ever been. And I think that for a number of years, many people in our industry, it's kind of been like some, some companies do a great job. A lot of companies do a great job of monitoring their food safety risks and taking care of the things that they should. But there are some that don't do as well as others. I think the consumer demand for transparency, communication, and being able to trust companies is going to be elevated. And that's going to push the industry, corporations, to be more transparent about what they do, which is going to affect our industry. I agree, but I agree with some caveats. The, the The problem for you and I to say, yes, I think this will impact the industry is I think it's also wishful thinking, <laughs> right? Like, well, that. <laughs> you know, like, how, like we, we've had outbreak after outbreak after outbreak after outbreak. And Bill Marler said, you know, like, I thought that I was going to have a bigger impact because I was basically going to bankrupt enough companies or take enough money from the industry that at some point in time, 
massive drastic changes are going to happen. Well, changes have happened. They haven't been massive or drastic enough, I think. And he even said that, right? And so I, I kind of am like, I hope that this actually wakes consumers up and they end up electing more people like Rose. Because even so in the documentary, there's a congresswoman from um, Connecticut. Her name is Rose Delaro. One of the insights I got was, you know, there's actually great somebody in Congress that's, you know, the the food safety advocate. But she was sick for 11 days with salmonella when she was a child. So very, very intimate understanding of the power of food safety. Rose knows it firsthand. The problem I had after the documentary was I was like, okay, so we have like hundreds of people in Congress and there's one advocate for safety. Like they were able to find one. And so like, I would, I would say if anybody, if the consumers watch this, maybe that should be part of their checklist for election. You know, what, what, what is your stance on food safety to each of their Congress people? Maybe show up at town halls and ask them because we need more than one Congresswoman to really get any change. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. I, 100%. I also think that, you know, there are more people like us out there, you know, that are bringing food safety awareness to the forefront than there ever have been. There are more people talking about it. I mean, we're very real in what we discuss on this podcast. I don't think we put a lot of fluff. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we put any fluff on anything. (laughs) I I don't know. A lot of our ending segments are pretty fluffy. (laughs) (laughs) There's not, you know, yeah, we're definitely speaking pretty real, you know, when we do this podcast. And I think that education, education is important. And I think that consumers really have been pretty shielded. Yeah. Well, up until, you know, the last several, even still, they're very, very shielded from a lot. But there are more and more people sharing that information. And there are more and more consumer advocacy groups out there that are sharing and getting information to the consumers. And again, consumers now seem to care more than they ever had. And there's a whole lot of not necessarily food, but there are a whole lot of situations out there, situations out there where consumers have driven the change that needed to happen. Whereas people like us might not have been able to do it. They might not listen to you and me, but if consumers get involved and they start to drive their bottom line, they make the changes. Right. People, people in Congress or whatever, aren't going to listen to you and I as much because they consider us a conflict of interest. Right. Of course, you're going to talk about that. That's your job. But never mind the fact that we eat food. Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> we're consuming the food as well. <laughs> but when a whole, when, when millions of consumers start asking these questions, it really it's just it's it's asking questions. You don't have to actually have like a massive understanding or a stance on food safety. Just asking your congressman or woman about food safety, like what is your what is your stance? How are you going to help? You know, how are you going to help alleviate? food safety outbreaks, the FDA and uh, on poisoned, the FDA and the USDA both said, you got to ask Congress. Oh, that's not us. That's Congress. Oh, that's not us. That's Congress. Well, 
what are you going to do, Congress? And it would be really interesting to see if if that became an election topic. I don't think so, but man, that'd be fascinating. It sure would be. Okay, before we move on to the next segment, what was your biggest aha in the documentary? And what do you wish should have been in there that wasn't? There's probably a lot I wish it would have been in there that that wasn't. I mean, it was only an hour and what, 22 minutes long? Yeah. Okay, I'll start and then you think about it while I'm talking, okay? So the um, my biggest aha, uh, I have two of them. My biggest aha was that there's only one congresswoman, <laughs> like legit, like in terms of advocacy, there was one congresswoman. Rose was was it. And I was like, man, I thought we would have more people. But, you know, I know the lobbies, that was not the biggest aha was how much money the lobbyists spend on, you know, trying to keep food safety regulations minimal. But I just didn't understand how much our side, how little access we had in terms of, you know, getting anything done. The the second biggest aha was I did not realize how prevalent really truly salmonella was in terms of the testing of all the carcasses. Even for me, that was like a wow. Because we talk about romaine and all that stuff. In the produce industry, particularly leafy greens, in the leafy greens industry, they're testing for, for pathogens every single day on those products. And it's like trying to find a needle in a haystack, you know, but chicken is not. That was not finding a needle in the haystack. That was a whole lot of product that had salmonella that uh, that was a huge aha for me. I did not realize how bad that was. I think when they came back with that second test, yes, I was blown away that me too. after they did the second test, it was like, I think I was dumbfounded. I was shocked. I was probably as shocked as the guy sitting in the chair. <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, I was the guy sitting. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I was thinking, holy shit, I wouldn't want to be him right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, that was, that was bad. That was really bad. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no way to defend that. Really, truly, Francine, at this point in time, I thought I was unshockable. I mean, I've been in facilities that have rat infestations. Uh, I've been in facilities that, you know, just just are are absolutely I'm I'm fascinated that people are consuming product that come out of these. I used to have a list on the on my refrigerator when we first started of companies not to buy from that my for my wife to to not buy from. I had literally thought I had seen everything, but that statistic, I mean, obviously it was a one-off sampling. Um, so I don't want to put too much teeth into right. that, but it was big enough that of a number where I was like, man, that's frightening. Well, and we've both seen, I mean, I just, you, you know, I wrote that, I wrote that book. It's right now, by the way, it's at the book designer. Oh, the good. Designer. Yeah. It's finally, finally at the designer. She's like putting it, putting it together so it can be published hopefully within the, like the next, I'm thinking maybe the next 60 days or so. So that will be super exciting. That will be super exciting. I was going to tease you about your book, but I think I've been writing my book longer than you. So I yeah, well, well, it's been written. It's just getting it together, getting the manuscript to the people and getting it to the, but it's finally, it's a book designer. Yeah. Good God. Um, it's taken so long. So yeah, I mean, so you've read some of the stuff that's in there. So it's yeah. like, I mean, you're, like you said, we're pretty much, we've seen a lot of stuff. There's not a lot that shocks. We can talk about anything. So yeah. it's like when people come up with these statistics and you see these numbers, it's like there's not, there's just not a lot that surprises us. So 
yeah, that that was shocking. Biggest aha moment, you know, I, you know, I don't know. I think there was, uh, again, I, I, I watched this a, a month ago, so it's, it's hard for me to remember everything that was in there. I, I'm always shocked that we don't have more support than we do. You know, when they had Frank Giannis and um, I can't remember the lady's name sitting there and they were interviewing them and there was like nothing they could say. Yeah. <laughs> that was just like, I was like, uh, that was just a wow moment for me as well. It, it was like, there there was like no accountability. Yeah. And, and I, I've seen, I've seen Frank in interviews, Frank Giannis in interviews since, but he was in the FDA Right. His hands were tied. I mean, it's not a thing. I mean, I understand the position that he was in, but it was just like so awkward and uncomfortable for them. Yeah, yeah. It was awkward (laughs) and uncomfortable for the audience. I was, I felt awkward and uncomfortable. Just watching it. Just watching it. Yes. Yes. And so that was kind of like. That's a good one, Nancy. That is absolutely accurate. Because it's like, here these people are in charge of these government entities basically. And they're like, there's nothing they could say. It was like so uncomfortable. And I'm sitting there knowing who they are and what they represent. And they were just like, like you, I was almost as uncomfortable as they were because it was like, (laughs) say something, (laughs) something. (laughs) They did. They did. They said that, uh, you know, get Congress to pass more laws. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was that. And and that was where it was really, that's where the aha for me again was like, okay, so we have one Congresswoman, (laughs) you know? And so I think that the, the story that they were trying to get was, you know, we need to be talking to our Congress more. And if that was, if that was the end goal, then they succeeded because that's all I got at the end of that was like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So what I wish that was in it that wasn't is more of the process of the actual recall. So one of the, one of the great things about the book poisoned was really understanding. They couldn't write all the complication of the recall in the book, but they go through pretty well of the the step by step by step by step of you know beginning of people almost like a criminal novel like people started getting sick and dying and then how do they link it all the way back to the meat that whole epidemiology process that would be really fun in terms of some sort of documentary of how that happens almost like a crime scene investigation that would have been really cool and that could be something in the future just so people understand how complex the supply chain is, which you kind of get in Poisons, the book, but you don't really get in Poisons, the documentary, is just how complex the supply chain is. Right. If it was just food safety, it'd be easy, but it's not just food safety. The food industry is extremely complex and the distribution and supply chain processes are all over the place and just trying to probably why it hasn't been done is because trying to create a 90 minute video of that would be very difficult, but I would love to see someone try. I think it would be very cool too, to see what really goes on behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. like during uh, very similar to what I wrote, wrote about like the real world stuff of what goes on behind the scenes, like what health inspectors and auditors really go through when they go in to do their jobs, because it's not, it's not what's perceived. No. In fact, when I was interviewing, you probably did the same thing. When I was interviewing auditors and when you were interviewing inspectors, I remember 
in the beginning, like people would portray being an auditor as some glorious job where you get to travel the world and see all these different companies, which is, which is accurate. That's truly one aspect of the job. But when I was interviewing auditors and hiring auditors, I really dwelled into the, you know, you're never home. Also kind of just the, the hard part of being an auditor. People don't want you there, all that stuff. Yes. At the end of the day, you're going to be the most marketable and valuable person for food safety and quality within the industry. In, within three years of auditing experience, if you do this as a young kid, like in your 20s, early 30s, if you're an auditor for a few years and you want to be food safety or quality, being an auditor for a few years is, is the best for your career. But it is a very, very hard, long three years. And I really explain that to people. And I would weed out probably about 70% of my prospective employees with just talking about everything that goes wrong in an audit, just because I wanted the diehard 30 percent that would stay with me for three years because it takes a lot to train somebody up and to do it effectively. But I would love to have some sort of documentary that went through, maybe not step-by-step what an auditor goes through, but step-by-step what an outbreak goes through. That'd be fascinating. Yeah. Uh, TikTok. Should we end with the TikTok? Yes. So there's the new trend that apparently doctors are, you know, warning people about and saying, do not do this. People come up with the silliest stuff. Oh my gosh, what is it? So people are hard boiling eggs and then they're taking this hard boiled egg, putting it in the microwave and filming them exploding. Why is this something that the FDA would worry about? So I don't think I said the FDA doctors or oh, doctors. doctors are warning people not to do this. The yolk of a reheated hard boiled egg can reach 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So this thing explodes and clearly people can get burned. What they do, I guess, is they they like take this thing out of the microwave after they've reheated it. And it's exploding in their hand and flying all over the place in their face well, and everything like I that. I heard this morning what I heard on the radio is they cut it. Why? So then that yolk, that yolk explodes all over the place. Can you imagine the burns? <laughs> I mean, you're going to need a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Okay. You know? I 100% agree. This is not, don't, don't do this at home. Nah, but nah, if I was, nah, if, if, if I was a teenage boy and I, I heard about this, I'd be like, uh, yeah, how, how do I? The explosion is so intense. They had to jump away as a huge cloud of steam rose from the egg. <laughs> like, okay. So <laughs> little vanity here. I don't want my face to look like it's going to look. After that egg explodes all over my face. Yes, yes. I'm that vain. So disclosure, don't do this at home. But at the same time, I would have totally done this. I totally, I just know myself. I would have been like, wait, what? And then I would I would be to my friends, hey, you want to try this? I just I, I just know myself. That one. So the Tide Pod thing was an easy one for me. You I was like, what? who the hell would do the Tide Pod? That I is so stupid. Say, same generation of people we had to tell not to eat the Tide Pods. No, that's dumb. Like, obviously, you're not going to eat it. That, that, that's ridiculous. But an exploding egg? Mm. You know, like, like when people were like, oh, we got rid of rice at weddings because too many birds were exploding. So now we, we throw bird seed on. And I was like, wait, they actually explode? How much rice do you need to give to a bird to watch it explode? It doesn't work like that, right? They don't, you don't actually see a bird exploding. But in my head as a teenager, I was like, 
How many? Yeah. So sorry. I'm. I, I just looking back at myself as a as a, a teenage boy. I would have been popping that egg in the microwave. I'm guessing. I mean, have you seen the warning on the pizza box that says that you have to open the box before you eat the pizza? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but yeah, yeah. Or it's like you know, don't bring the toaster in the bathtub. Like, who, who do they need to toast in the bathtub? I wouldn't have done any of those things as a teenager, but I mean, just, I just the amount of things I tried to explode. And my boys are the same way. Like. They'll, they'll try to do crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's put some boxes and parameters around this. But the boys are going to be boys. So I, I, I get it. I get it. Don't do it, guys. Don't do it. No, no, don't. Do not cut your egg, hard-boiled egg, after it's been in the microwave to see the yolk explode. You're going to get hurt. Matt. <laughs> Matt. <laughs> Come on, though. That would be so much fun to watch. Okay, so one, okay, so on every Halloween, we get peeps, right, for Halloween. Um, we put toothpicks in the peeps' head, and then we put it on a paper plate, and we put it in the microwave, and then um, we take these are these are like not real peeps, <laughs> like the little like you know the sugar peeps, and then um, who, the toothpick that penetrates the other peep, peep first because it's a marshmallow, right? So it expands in the microwave. That that person won. Right. So then we take like little side bets on which peep is going to win. And so we do peep battles. So, yeah. But mind you, I have eight boys <laughs> that are middle school and up age. So, a lot of crazy stuff. Okay. I won't let them know about this egg thing. But no. if it does happen, I'll put boxes around it. Don't do it. <laughs> do not do it. Thank God I wasn't your mother. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> or my wife <laughs> or your or your wife or, or your Tracy. wife you are not allowed to be anywhere near my husband my god <laughs> the stuff he used to do my god we don't have time for that right now I, yeah okay all right well should we should we end yes all right everybody go watch poisoned that was it's great watch it with your family i'm gonna watch it again with my family and say this is what i do guys they already kind of know what i do but it's such so good. I'm going to have all my kids watch it this weekend. Uh, I'm going to watch it again as well. And I'm going to remind them not to eat poop. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Bye all. See ya. 